Hello, good morning everyone. So this is my second episode. So after the first episode is about regarding the septic arthritis and its amazing features. Now we are doing we are dealing with the hypoxemic encephalopathy and we'll discuss this about the little about its what is hypoxemic encephalopathy and what are the amazing features that make us to its diagnosis and its grades and all the things we'll be discussing serially. So now to begin with, so we have uh, hypoxemic encephalopathy. It is a pattern of cerebral injury that depends on the maturity of brain at the time of insult. So um, to define the maturity of brain, so we have classified it on the basis of period of gestation, that is age of gestation. So it can either be less than 34 weeks or more than 34 weeks. So if it is less than 34 weeks of period of gestation, so it is known as uh, premature. So, uh, so in the, this type of in this type of uh, premature um, brain, so there is high risk of SM hypoxic injury. So if um, there uh, there can be so which can lead to either severe or total asphyxia or partial asphyxia. So see um, there can also be the line where with a severe total asphyxia in premature. So there we have that area usually that is involved by the uh, asphyxia is usually the deep gray matters uh, including that of basal ganglia, thalamus, uh, hippocampus, cerebellum, dorsal brainstem, corticospinal tracts. So what are the amazing findings we can see in case of total asphyxia? So uh, it is uh, on ultrasound we can see that there is uh, it will be usually normal up to that two days or within. Uh, 48 hours we cannot find any abnormality in if we do the transcranial ultrasound but um, on third day we can see that the area hyperechogenicity is usually seen in the area affected by the total exposure that is like hyperechogenicity can be seen in basal ganglia thalami or hippocampus cerebellum or dorsal brain stem or corticospinal tract so on ct on ct also we can see that there will be the hypodensity in the basal ganglia and thalami regions and mri so on MRI, the in T1 weighted and T2 weighted image, there will be the hyper intensity in the thalami or basal ganglia. So usually this feature, usually as I have already seen while discussing the ultrasonographic features, like these all usually appears on the third day. Uh, and on uh, the but in T2 there there can be hyper intensity if the uh, if we do the scan uh, after one week of insult. But in T1 hyper intensity will persist. Um, until the chronic stage. Um, so there, uh, so it is, uh, so so these uh, changes in signal intensity uh, or attenuation it usually appear in the form of uh, triangular shape with the apex pointing toward the mean line. So that's we have noted that there will be the changes will appear in the form of that triangular uh, is, uh, shape with uh, with its apex pointing to the mean line. So and also we can there we can have that germinal matrix uh, hemorrhage or intraventricular hemorrhage. So it's usually due to the congestion or thrombosis or rupture of medullary veins that lead to hemorrhagic venous infarct in periventricular white matter. So these are due to this occur due to the periventricular white matters infraction, and that usually is hemorrhagic. So 24 to 48 hours after onset, it usually happens. 
so in fluoro we can, uh, we can also see that there can be the proencephalic pro, um, pro, um, cyst also there we can have yeah, which usually present in the um, superolateral aspect uh, to the frontal horns of lateral ventricles so we uh, so to grace that uh, this uh, uh, hypoxemic encephalopathy we usually use the grace that is given by um, papal etal so we have grade one so in it there is only germinal matrix is involved while in grade two there we have the germinal matrix hemorrhage as well as intraventricular hemorrhage while in grade three we can have germinal matrix hemorrhage intraventricular hemorrhage along with the ventricular dilatation and so in grade four we have that germinal matrix hemorrhage intraventricular hemorrhage ventricular dil uh, dilations in addition to that we can have that periventricular hyperintensities So like um, while doing the ultrasound we can get confused with that if um, uh, whether it is the germinal matrix hemorrhage or it is usually the choroid plexus. So germinal matrix hemorrhage it usually extends beyond the foramen of Monroe while choroid plexus it doesn't extend beyond the foramen of Monroe and it also tapers anteriorly. So now we are the white matter injury of the prematurity or periventricular leukomalacia. So it usually causes by hypoxemic insult, infection, metabolic disease or hydrocephalus. So in, in this we have that periventricular area that is perfused by ventriculopatial vessels and ventriculofugal vessels. So these are the water state regions. So they have usually the high risk of hypoxemic insult. So within the onset of insult or within the 24 to 48 hours we can have, we have that um, coagulation necrosis and uh, within two to four weeks we can have that there can be cavitation or cyst and after several weeks that is in the chronic stage we can that cyst usually collapse and there is loss of white matter and we have that ventriculomegaly so this insult can be focal or diffuse focals if there is focal it is usually bilateral symmetrical around the trigone area and if it is it's usually in the periventricular region Periventricular leukomalacia is uh, so passing and usually present with like spastic um, diaplasia. This is due to the involvement of corticospinal tracts. So now uh, for periventricular leukomalacia on USC, that is done if we done uh, within the 24 to 48 hours of insult, there we can see that there is increased ecogenicity in the periventricular uh, regions with periventricular flares, and there will be the loss of normal architecture. So. For the diff uh, differential diagnosis of that uh, periventricular leukomalacia, we have that there can be due to the brain edema or periventricular bus. It um, that is periventricular bus. It can usually present in normal newborns also. So in order to confirm that there is periventricular leukomalacia, we have also to look at the sagittal and coronal plane as well of this scan. So flare may disappear within. Uh, 7 to 10 days if persistent then we have to grade it at um, grade 1 um, periventricular leukomalacia and after 2 to four, 4 4 weeks if we do the ultrasound then we can see that there can be cavitation or cyst so cyst is um, uh, so uh, cyst it can occur in any that's a uh, cerebral any part of cerebral hemisphere but if there is cyst in frontoparietal region so there we have that better prognosis and rather um, than if we have cyst in um, parieto occipital region so now we have the grades of periventricular leukomalacia. So 
if uh, so will grade it as one if if there is that periventricular fluid persists for more than seven days and it will be graded as two if there is periventricular fluid involving the small frontoparietal region so and grade three is periventricular fluid that persists for more than seven days with involvement of multiple parietal areas of parietal occipital region and so grade 4 is periventricular failure that persists for more than 7 days with multiple subcortical cysts that is multi-cystic encephalopathy you can say it as so we usually in this case like we know that we should usually avoid the doing computer tomography ct scan in case of pediatric population because there is high risk of radiation so why there is high risk of radiation in pediatric population in comparison to adults this is because in pediatric population their cells are more radiosensitive in comparison to the adult cells so if, so if we have to do ct then we usually do it for to differentiate whether it is bleed or edemas as we have already discussed that um, one of the most uh, common diagnosis of uh, like periventricular hemorrhage or leukomalacia is brain edema so if we do the MRI so in the early stage we can see that there is T1 hyperintensity while T2 um, weighted image will be normal so there is no any no, normality is seen in T2 weighted sequences after 5 to 6 days we can have T1 uh, on T1 weighted image we can see that there is hyperintensity as well as on T2 weighted image also uh, but in T2 weighted image we can see that there is hypointensity so on uh, so diffusion if we do the diffusion weighted sequences so we can see that um, diff uh, restricted diffusion in acute cases uh, so when should we call the that there is indistinct periventricular leukomalacia if it is more than three months of that periventricular flare so well, so we now we have that the triad of periventricular leukomalacia so they include at first one is like increased T2 signal intensity in peritrigonal white matter uh, which is due to like glasses and demyelinations and there is marked loss of periventricular white matter in the region of abnormal high signal intensity and so, um, so uh, due to this loss of um, periventricular white matter there we can see that there is compensatory focal enlargement of ventricle that is ventriculomegaly. And also an additional feature what we can see in MRI there can be the punctate lesions involved oh, involving the white matter which usually involve that corona radiator or, or posterior periventricular white matter or optic radiation but they may regress all, with time also. So now with the severe or total hypoxia in the term what happens if in term like we have already discussed that mature or you know that immature brain so for uh, premature or immature brain so it is um, uh, less than 34 weeks and for measures or term it is more than 34 year weeks so if it occurs in that mature brain so area usually involved is potamin or ventrolateral thalamus hippocampus dorsal brain stem and <coughs> the dorsal brain stem Globus pallidus can also be affected. So basal ganglia affected is more severe compared to the thalamus in case of um, hypoxic injury in case of term baby. 
So if we do transcranial ultrasound, we can see that there is diffuse increase in ecogenicity with obliterated CSF species. And there we can also see that cerebral atrophy. And if, uh, and on uh, CT scan, it usually presents the hypodensity of, of basal ganglia cortex and there we, along with the loss of gray-white matter and this differentiation, uh, we can also see that there is the effacement of sylvian fissure as well as the basal system. So on MRI. So if MRI, we can see that there is T1 hyperintensity involving the area usually affected. So mainly T1, it is usually seen in basal ganglia, which is seen within the first three days. And in basal ganglia also, we can see the lesion most commonly in the putamen. And on T1, there will be, we can see that hyperintensity and also there is the absence of posterior limb sign. And so if we are, if we do the YAMRS and it, if we are in early stage, if we do go with the YAMRS, that YAMRS spectroscopy, we can see that there is increase in choline, decrease NA or increase lactate or increase in glutamate or glutamine. So changes can be seen within uh, four to eight hours of birth and it usually peaks uh, around five days. And so on diffusion weighted image, we can see that there can be the uh, restricted diffusion. So um, it is more uh, prominent uh, during the four to five days of insult and it, it is usually um, uh, go like, it usually disappear by the seven to 10 days of illness. And what happened if there is a, now this, this is all about the complete hypoxia. So what happened if there is a partial hypoxia uh, in term like it's, uh, that is more than 34 weeks of period of gestation. So it usually affect the water set areas and so that parasitical subcortical white matter is usually involved. So on, uh, so if we do the MRI in that case, we can see that there is um, like on T2 weighted, we can see that there can be the cortical swelling and hyper intensity is seen in gray and subcortical white matter and there will be gray, gray and white matter uh, differentiation lost. We can also see that leukomalacia in subcortical areas also and in uh, diffusion, diffusion weighted sequences of MRI, you can see that there is restricted diffusion. So these are the features of um, hypersystemic encephalopathy. Thank you everyone. Goodbye. Uh, and also don't um, forget to leave that any constructive comment or healthy comment. They are always welcome to how to improve uh, how to improve my podcast or um, any like any in, uh, constructive or how to improve or what do you want to let me know. Okay, thank you.